All right, y'all. Good morning. How you guys doing? Sunny Ahigbe. Welcome to a Born His Dream podcast, episode number eight. I have in the house today, Jay Dip. Jay is an actor, a comedian. Jay is a jack of all trade who masters it all. I appreciate that. <laughs> I want to give you that because it's a, a jack of all trade, doesn't master anything. You are a jack of all trade who mastered it all. And you have everything mastered. And now you're not pouring your experience in every kid who are bold enough to come ask for help. I want to say thank you for coming to the show today. Thank you, brother. God bless. You know, we have a lot of, lot of, lot of challenges in our hand right now, ranging from the, our community, our youth are going crazy. You know, values has changed. Like what you used to know back in the days, the respect and respect yes. for property and life is no longer there. No, it's been replaced. I totally agree. Our youth don't even know what that is or what that is anymore. If you tell them put your pants on, they don't know what that means. <laughs> if you tell them to like respect people. Call me by my last name. They didn't even know what that means. They can't even say thank you when you offer them help. They can't even say good morning. They don't even know what that means. I mean, we're going to get to that yes, sir. during this podcast. First of all, can you introduce yourself, please? Who are um, you? My name is Jay Deep. I am uh, born and raised in Chicago, West Side, mm-hmm. which is the best side. Um, like... Yes, what's that? A day. It's a W. W. <laughs> 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 no, you're not. You're not from it there, so you should, don't do that. Don't Can do I put that in I am uh, uh, a wonderful human being that's been through a lot. You know the the saying, um, "Thank God I don't look like what I've been through." True. Um, that's definitely me. Amen. You know, um, I've I've been through a lot, but um, I've also experienced a lot. You know, um, when you get to a point in your life where you want more, uh, that's what I, I try to do with the youth is to tell them that your life is not what you see around you. Right. If it's if it's three things that, that I live by in my life is one uh, with God, all things are possible. Without him, nothing is possible. Two, lean not unto thine own understanding and trust in the will of the Lord, right? And and three is um, walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. So so if you're sitting up there thinking, oh well, this is this is as far as I could go. What I see in my surroundings, then that's like a wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay, this is this is it. When when I told everybody in my my neighborhood that I wanted to do comedy, they were like, "Man, you don't know nobody in TV. You don't know anybody, you know, on at the movies. You you stupid. Let's go drop this package off and let's get this money." Mm. You know, and well, what um, does that mean? A package is whatever it is that whether it's um drugs, whether it's guns, whether it's money from drugs, you get paid to deliver that package to where it's supposed to go. And that's what you were encouraged to do when you were growing up. That's it, you know, because that was what the money was, Mm. you know. And I could have easily went that route. A lot of my friends went went that route. A lot of um, friends of mine who were some of the biggest drug dealers in Chicago went that route. Are they still alive right now? Some of them are. And some of them are not. And some of them are in jail. Some of them are dead. Some of them are just broke. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's like I try to tell people, like, that, that fast money is not 
going to be that money that's, that lasts. I've, I've been doing comedy now for 25 years, 20, 26 years now. When I first started, yeah, it was a struggle. You know, I, I was telling you early, like, I was homeless for a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, on the street homeless. Like, not the the Hollywood, I was living in my car. I didn't have a car, <laughs> right? I'm I'm in the park with rats crawling under the the bench that I'm sleeping on. Let's talk about that. You know what I'm saying? How did you how what was your experience of being homeless? It, how does that make you feel? Dude, it's it's so like funny even talking about it now. It's so funny um because um the people that you expect to support your your goals and your dreams and your aspirations, those are the people that shock you the most, mm-hmm. right? And I could say this now because I, I love my mom, but at the time, um, coming to my mom and saying, you know, I I don't want to have a nine to five job. I'm going to go over here and try to do this comedy thing. Now, I'm telling my mother this because she was my everything. You know what I'm saying? She, my mother, if my mother told me, that the sky is going to be purple tomorrow, I would tell the world, hey, my mama said the sky is going to be purple tomorrow. And it stays purple. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so uh, when I came to her and she said, I don't give a damn what you think God is trying to tell you, you getting a job or you getting the hell out of my house. It was like a shock to me. You know, like, what? what, wait, what do you mean? Like, you support me in everything. But um, that only taught me that on certain journeys— that in certain paths that God put you on, everybody can't go where you're going. So I was meant to go on that path without her, you know, painfully so, but I was meant to go on that path without her. She came back um, years later and apologized, you know, for um, not trusting me um, and not being, uh, understanding the man that she raised. She raised me to be a self-thinker, to not be a follower. And then the, the the main time that I did it, she I think it shocked her, you know, because I had never done that with her. I'd done that with my friends and my my family or whatever, but I had never gone against anything that she said, you know, at that point at 19, 20 years old. And so, yeah, so when I when I when I was out there on the street because the the slick thing that she did and again, anybody that's listening, me and my mother are cool now. <laughs> but the slick thing that my mother did was not only did she kick me out, but she called my family and said, oh, well, Jay don't want to work and don't let him come stay with you. And that. Oh, so wow. my aunts, my uncles was like, oh, well, your mother, if your mother say that you, um, you are not a good person, you know what I'm saying? Then everybody else, well, this is his mother. His mother said he's not a good person, so I'm not going to let him in my house. You know what I'm saying? And the the thing that I, I told my mother, I was like, you act like I was either selling drugs or on drugs. That's the way that I, I felt like she treated me, you know? And for her to do that, it, it changed something in me mm-hmm. um, that I'm still trying to repair to this day, 25 mm-hmm. years later, which is if your your own family could turn against you, the the world, we'll you know, that will turn against yes. you. You know, and did so, you have a father growing up? My my dad um, was killed when I was 16. Wow. Yeah, um, and that was that was very difficult. 
um, as well um, to to go through that um, because I was over my dad's house like every weekend. You know, my dad was a Muslim. You know what I'm saying? So I'm over his house. We kicking it. And he was, my father was hilarious. I tell people this. My my dad could have been a comedian, you know what I'm saying, instead of me. That's where I get it from. My father was hilarious. But to look at him, you would not get that. You know what I'm saying? My dad was 6'5", 230, you know what I'm saying, no body fat, you know what I'm saying, just with the bow tie and the suit. So to look at him, you wouldn't think, like, this dude is hilarious. But behind closed doors, man, my he dad is a killer. My dad is, was hilarious. I you appreciate know? that. Yeah. So, so during the so to tell me, you, you said you were an actor as well mm-hmm. and you're a film producer. Can you tell us more about that? How did you become a comedian and how did you become an actor the, or the, producer? The comedian, the comedian came first, right? So there was this place on um, 18th of Michigan that's no longer there called the Cotton Club, right? And one of my uh, cousins was like, oh, I'm going to the Cotton Club and da-da-da-da. And I knew he he wasn't talented. You know, I'm like, what do you mean? you go? Well, they got an open mic night and I'm going to sing and da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, wait, they let anybody sign If they letting you sign up, they have to let anybody sign up. And, yeah, you don't have to have no experience. You just go put your name on the list. So I, I decided that's what I was going to do. But before I did, I would rehearse in the mirror with the brush, you know, pretending. <laughs> with <the brush>. Yeah, <laughs> like the brush was my microphone. Do you have the brush with you? Yet I today? do not have the brush today. Man, I wish oh, you would have told me to bring the brush, Sonny. I would have brought the brush. <laughs> and I would I would practice in front of my my um sister. I have three sisters, three younger mm-hmm. sisters, and I would practice in front of their Barbie dolls and their stuffed animals like it was an audience. I would practice and I did that for like almost six weeks before I ever got on stage, right? And I did the pauses for where I thought the laughs would be and all of that stuff. Go down to the Cotton Club. Um, they um, about to bring me on. I'm in the restroom, you know, getting myself together. And this dude who who's passed away uh, right now, this dude named Uptown, comedian, he was like, hey, um, are you on the show? I was like, yeah. He was like, um, what you doing? You singing? I was like, no, nah, I'm doing comedy. Like that, he was like, oh, this is a fun crowd. You're going to love it. And I was so arrogant because people been telling me I was funny since I was You're five good. years mm-hmm. old, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I right, do. You know, I'm, I'm good. Your confidence was so high. It was, know? it was, no, it was arrogance. <laughs> it wasn't confidence. It wow. was arrogance. There's a fine there's line. There's a difference between. Yeah, there's arrogant. a fine line between confidence so and what arrogance. So what is confidence? So what is confidence is, is understanding that the gift that you have is is in you be, by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Arrogance is like me, me, me. Mm-hmm. I did this. Oh, I'm better than anyone else. I'm, I'm, I did this. I created this, and I don't need anybody's help. Hmm. That's what arrogance is, right? When it comes to comedy, so Uptown goes on and destroys. When I say these, the the Cotton Club was packed. He dest- he controls the crowd. He kills right, and uh, I'm sitting in the back like, if they laughing at this, I'm I'm about to kill right. Mm-hmm. So they bring me up you know, from the west side of Chicago. Give it up for this new comedian. His first time on stage. Give it up for J D. The crowd is pumped, and I go on and I'm like, yeah, and <laughs> shoot, and yeah, and. Yeah, 
dry out. Yep. And <laughs> it's crickets. It's crickets in the audience, right? Yeah. And girls that thought I was cute before I went on stage, yeah, they was no like, more, I'm yeah. not cute. Nothing is cute about bombing, right? Yeah. And but the cool thing is I I I check myself. And I kept going up there. I kept going up there. I kept I would go up there every Monday. I went up there so much that people would be like, "Are you going up?" And I'm like, "Yeah." They were like, "Oh, <laughs> like it was that. It was that bad, right?" <laughs> and I did that. I did that for uh, eight weeks. I kept going up there every Monday, every Monday, every. You didn't Monday. give up persistence. Uh, no, no. I knew. I knew that I was funny. I just couldn't find my voice yet. Mm. I didn't find my voice. I was doing what I saw on TV that mm-hmm. I thought was funny. You know, at, at the time that I started, Arsenio Hall was on TV. Um, David Letterman with his wit. So I was taken from these people that inspired me. Mm-hmm. Carol Burnett. You know, all of these people that inspired me. Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. I was taking little pieces from them, but I didn't find my own voice. So it took me a while to find my voice. And once I did... That's when people um, started um, telling me about this comedy club that's no longer there called um, All Jokes Aside. Oh, you should go to All Jokes Aside. They have an open mic on Wednesday. And I'm like, why didn't y'all tell me this from the beginning? But nobody wanted you if you was garbage. They didn't want you to come stinking up the comedy club, Mm -hmm. right? So by the time I got to All Jokes Aside, I was dangerous because I had been bombing all of this time at a club, a club, that wasn't a comedy club. So by the time I get to All Jokes Aside on a Wednesday, which is a comedy club, like I'm killing. And my career just took off from from there. From there. So that your experience, your past experience was like a preparation. You have to first of all fail. You have to, to fail. To rise. And if if I if I <laughs> failed and and didn't get back up, it wasn't for me. You would have stayed there though. It wasn't for me. Whatever you do and whatever you want to do, oh, I I want to be an actor and um, I went out for this audition and I didn't get it, so forget about acting. Well, it's not for you. If if that one role, you're not getting that one role that you wanted and you saying, oh, well, forget it, it's not for you. If you wanted to be on American Idol and they chose somebody over you and you, oh, well, this industry is garbage. It's not it's for not you. It's not for you, truly, it's, yeah. It's not for you. Let me draw that back a little bit. So you currently, like you said, you're working with some youth. How, okay, the problem that we have right now is the fact that youth are no longer hungry, but they want to make it. They're not hungry. They don't mm-hmm. want to do what it takes to go make it. You know, making it meaning that you have to do what it takes. You have to work. Up, you know, be dedicated, find the right people totally to help agree. you get there. So what is it that, okay, what is it that you are doing right now to connect with the youth and how does that hip-hop involve with that? And if there's hip-hop involved, what are you teaching in hip-hop that's not going to convey the negativity of aspect of it? How are you brightening that up right now to help better the youth for that's, the future? That's a, that's a great question, right? So... Um, I'm, and I'm assuming you're talking about After School Matters that I'm working Correct. on. Right? Okay. So um, I'm doing this program right now with After School Matters called The Introduction to Hip Hop. Now, we all know what hip hop is right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But when, when I talk about the introduction of hip hop, I teach them about 
where it started, when it started, and why it started first. Why? You can, know, can you elaborate the, just briefly? Yeah, the the why is because Brooklyn was burning <laughs> every day because the Bronx was burning every day because Queens was burning because all of these gangs was taking over, right? And so you have to learn about the pioneers of this thing that we call hip hop. You have to learn about um, Grandmaster Flash. You have to learn about um, DJ Cool Herc. You have to learn about African Bambata, right? All of these people are the founders of what this thing is, hip-hop. Cool Herc said, okay, I'm going to make sure that the youth has some some place to go other than fighting each other and committing arson, right? So he started doing this party. It was only 60 people in this little rec room, but, but Cool Herc was like the dopest DJ, Ever, right? And he was he wasn't playing disco. Disco was huge mm-hmm. in the 70s, 78, late 70s, right? Mm-hmm. He was playing music that we grew up off of, right? So he's playing this music. These kids come to this party. He starts throwing these parties. The second person is Grandmaster Flash, who would go to Cool Herc's parties. And he would he would watch him and and he would notice like he didn't blend his songs good. Like, he would turn the song on, and then he would put another song another on. Song so Grandmaster Flash said, wait a minute, I don't want to do that. I don't want it to be a pause in the music. There was nothing, there was no such thing as, as mixers and stuff like that back then, right? So he found a way to find where that breakbeat started in, in this one record. He would buy the same record. It connected. And connect it, mm-hmm. right? So you got these two people. Then African Bambada is the person that said, okay, check this out. All of y'all gangs, we going to come to these parties and form this thing called the Zulu Nation, Mm -hmm. right? All of these big gangs, we going to make sure that nothing bad goes down in this place, right? And so from there, you had... This, these these dope DJs doing all of this wonderful stuff. And then to keep the crowd enhanced, that's when the MC came into place. Mm-hmm. So there are five elements of hip-hop. You have beatboxing, graffiti, breakdancing, MCing, and, of course, DJing. I say it's a sixth element, which is you know, fashion, you know, so you gotta, you gotta have a Kango hat, you gotta have a Adidas gym shoes, you gotta have your, your swag, or nobody's gonna listen to listen you, to you, right? So just like right now, you gotta get your money right before you start inspiring, because the, nobody's gonna listen to the, you. And that's and that's sad. I'm glad that you brought that up, mm-hmm. right? So I I do a lot of um, uh, career days at high schools and grammar schools or whatever, and if they would have just brought me up and said, you know, this. Young man is from your community, you know, and he wants to speak about, you know, um, the things that you could do and not make these mistakes. And he's here taking time out of his schedule mm-hmm. to come and speak to y'all, which is a positive thing, right? Yeah. The youth will be like, yeah, okay. But you got to roll in with your Bentley first. Right. <laughs> so it's like, oh, um, this young man has been in movies with Ice Cube. He's mm-hmm. he's worked with Kanye West. Mm-hmm. He's... Um, Produce films over here. He's um, toured the world over there. Now they sitting up a little more like they tighten all up. Well, now they want it. Wait a minute, like giving them a reason to. And want I'm it. the same person though. Amen. I'm still the same dude that took time out of my day to come and spread some positivity. You know what I'm saying? But now 
I'm I'm that dude who's worked with Ice Cube and Barbershop too. I'm that dude who's uh, worked with Bernie Mac and Cedric the Entertainer and all of these people. I'm that dude now. How does that connect you <clears throat> with your trip working with the Air Force and the military in uh, Amsterdam and Germany? Can you tie well, those two together? The the funny yeah. thing is, I was doing um, uh, army base. I was doing an army base. Just and comedy or acting? Just comedy. Mm-hmm. Just comedy. Keeping that aside. Yeah. I was, doing, I was doing comedy at this Army base, and um, this uh, sergeant came up to me, and he's like, hey, do you have a passport? And I was like, no, I don't have a passport. I'm, I'm 26, 27. I ain't have a passport. passport. Right? And, uh, you say in every like, child to have a passport. That's a huge opportunity. That's huge. You have to be ready. You got to be ready the when the opportunity comes. You don't and, need to be ready. Yeah. No and so if, uh, I was like, no, I don't have a passport. And he was like, oh, um, so I do these shows over in uh, Germany for the troops. And I was just wondering, you would you be interested? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I will get a passport. Thank God. Right? And he said, um, I got to ask you this. I ask everybody that come over there, do you have any felonies or anything? I said, no, I don't have any felonies. Oh, so you can't have no felony to be able to survive. To travel. No, new, no. So even to get a job, you cannot have a felony. No. Not, not, a, you have a felony, you can't get a loan. No one is going to listen no, to you. No, you, you can't. You can't. For, for me, when, when I was going over to Germany, like you could not even have like child support payments that you, you owed. They wouldn't give you a passport. Right. So nothing. You could have nothing on your record. Thank God. Uh, everything that I've been through, I never, never went went the that right way. Mm-hmm. that way. Right. So I went, applied for a passport. I called the sergeant major back. I was like, hey, I got my passport. You know, what's up? And 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 in the business, everybody. Talk, to talk, talk to right? talk. They can't walk so, to walk. Though. Right. So I'm like, yeah, okay, what's up? And he was like, okay, I'll have you over here in two weeks. And I was really like, really shocked. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> right. Well, this dude was serious. <laughs> Is it right? happening? And I, was like, I was like, okay. Do I have what, more to text? Right. Do, do, um, do I need anything? He was like, no, you need to be on the, on the plane. Um, I'll come passport. pick you up. I'll come pick you up um, from customs. As soon as you come out of customs, I'll be right there. Um I came out of customs. He was right there. We did, I want to say, like 14 Army and Air Force bases in 12 days or something like that. It was, it was crazy. I had never been like out of Chicago, you know, like definitely not out of the the country. That was my first time. So that was what changed your mind. It was, it was amazing. Huge opportunity. It was a huge opportunity. And then that led to Amsterdam. Amsterdam led to Germany. I mean, to uh, Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, Japan led to other things, you know. And so, so for being, for being, having no father at 16, to be homeless at some point and sleeping on the street and stuff like that, to be working with the barbershop too, uh, oh, you know, renowned comedian. I got a, I got a funny story about that. I'm glad you said that, yeah. right? So... Um, second time I go to, to Germany, right before I go, um, I audition for mo- the movie Barbershop, Barbershop 1. I audition, and I'm listening to my friends, and they're like, man, they probably already got everybody that they're going to get from L.A. This ain't nothing but, you know, some for show type of thing. And I was like, yeah, y'all probably right. I went to, to the audition. Same sergeant major calls me, and he's like, hey, um, you want to come? I need you to 
perform, da da da. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm there, right? I go, I'm over there for two weeks, two weeks. I get I get um I'm I'm checking my messages because this is back in the day when you had to have a phone card mm-hmm. when you go over there because they ain't had international calling where where you had your cell phone and you could just switch to switch international, international call. No, so I had to buy a phone card and I'm checking my message. It's the caster agent. And she's like, hey, Jay, you got the part. Um, we need to see you tomorrow. I am in Germany. <laughs> so I got to call this woman who fought for me to get this role as an unknown actor. I got to call her, and I'm like, hey, um, I'm in Germany. She was like, yeah, anyway, quit playing. I was like, no, I'm in Germany. She was like, how long are you going to be in Germany? I'm like, six more weeks. She was like, oh, I can't believe Okay, um, well, I could get you a, a extra. You could be an extra then. That's all I could do. I was like, all right, cool. So I came back six weeks later, and I did my little extra role in the thing. Nobody knew Barbershop was going to blow up. Number one at the box office for like 10 weeks or something, like something crazy. So, of course, Hollywood sees that, Barbershop 2, right? I auditioned for Barbershop 2. Who calls me? The sergeant major. Hey, you want to come back (laughs) to Germany? I'm like, yeah, I'll be back in Germany. Let me get this money. I go to Germany. This is not a joke. I get the call from the casting agent. And she's like, hey, Jay, you got the part. And I was like, I'm in Germany. And she was like, yeah, okay. You 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 playing this again? I'm like, no, I'm serious. I'm I'm in Germany. She's like, how long are you going to be there? I'm like, two weeks. She's like, okay. We start filming in three weeks. Oh, no. That's and that's good. how I got the <laughs> part. part. That's how I got the part for it Barbershop 2. It was meant to too. be. That's how. And also both times ready. I'm in Germany. <laughs> I love both it. Both times. That's a true what story. What a great testament. That's what a, a true, true story, story. man. So what message do you have to our youth right now? Even when you have this opportunity in line up for these children, they just don't want it. They don't want it at all, but they want the result. They don't want the grind. What do you have for them? See, the game banging, the carjacking, the sagging, all kinds of terrible stuff, man. They blaming on the society and the people. What message do you have for them right now? Because if we cannot change them, who else is going to do it? I, I have to say simply, like, if you have a dream, just believe in it. It's as simple as that. Like, you cannot allow anybody to be a dream killer, mm-hmm. right? I... I told you, people that I loved tried to kill my dreams. People that I I truly loved, like my friends that I had known since I'm seven, eight years old, you know, and 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 it's no disrespect to them, you know, to 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 only be able to see in front of your face. It's no disrespect to them. They were like, hey, we need money to survive. This is what we should do, right? I just wanted something different, right? My mother, I'm, I don't blame her. You know what I'm saying? She, hey, this is what you do. You're supposed to um, go to school. You know, you you get an education. Um, you get an apartment. You get a nice job. You go on vacation once or twice a year. Like, this is how she was raised with these things, with these ideals, right? I'm like, no, I want my life to be a vacation. You know what I'm saying? So I I thought differently. I wanted something different than everybody else. If you believe in your dream, like I said, there's nothing that can keep you from that. I saw something the other day 
that said, um, if you do not go after your dream, it haunts you for the rest of your life. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. It haunts you. If you want to be a singer and you never go out, of, it's still in your brain mm-hmm. that you wanted to be a singer, a songwriter, mm-hmm. and you never go out, of, it's, it's going to haunt you forever. You know what I'm saying? Your dreams could either um, take you, the the what is the the Bible says? A man dreams make room for him and put him before a great many men. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it is. That dream will open doors for you. For me, like you said, to be homeless, to come from my dad getting killed, mm-hmm. and to be on movie sets, mm-hmm. you know, with people that, that I I grew up listening to, to Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I watched Cedric the Entertainer. Eve, Eve literally, on the set of, of Barbershop 2, Eve literally won her first Grammy, mm-hmm. and they celebrated. She won a Grammy. On her birthday, mm-hmm. on the set of Barbershop 2. Mm-hmm. Right? I saw that. Like, I got to witness this. This this poor black kid from the west side of Chicago, I, I was there. And that's a huge inspiration to every kid out there. You know, for me, you know my story now, not having, having no father. Yes, sir. And I just have to figure it all out. You, know, you just you just got to want it. That's it. You just got to want it. Every day you wake up, you just have to want it and get up, do what it takes. Even if you don't win that day, there's a different day that you're going to win. Just keep going up. Just keep waking up. Keep trying. There it is. And there's no reason for complaining or blaming someone else's for your own misfortune. I believe every child there got the opportunity. If they really want it, they can make it happen. Yeah. Even, gonna, even with this, um, not to cut you off, even with this... Um, thing that I'm doing for After School Matters. Like, the the kids that are in the group, they literally get paid to, to listen to hip-hop and to learn about hip-hop. But to 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 get that out, like, look, y'all getting paid. And, and it's hard because, like you said, some of them don't want to do the work. They, they just want, want the, the end result. They want the end result. Right. Those are the ones that quickly end up in prison. I used to be a correction officer. All these kids come and go. Mm-hmm. I used to be a juvenile, you know, um, detention officer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did all that. I was a human rights commissioner. I know I took this job just because not because of the paycheck. I just want to go figure out what's wrong with our, mm-hmm. our youth these days. Why are they what is that missing what piece? Is what is I that missing piece? I came to realize piece? that they just have this common denomination that's binding all of them together. It's the childhood adversity that they went through. They cannot overcome it. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that thing just stuck in their head that they piss off, that nobody, that no one respects them, nobody. The society does not value them. They just have to do what it takes. They just got to do whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they just got to get all the nest on it, all the toxic attention. So, dude, you can turn, you can change that right mm-hmm. now. You can turn around right now. This this is a this is a huge opportunity for you to just turn around right mm-hmm. now in the in yep. the house in the jailhouse turn around. Yep. But they're like, yeah, they make all these promises. Yeah, I'm done right now. This is my last strike. But boom, ten months later after the release, they back again. Mm-hmm. I said, dude, you just told me that you're not gonna do it again. Yeah. So it's like a visual circle, man. So I was wondering. If there's anything that we miss, in any puzzle that we're missing that hasn't plugged in yet, you know, maybe we can plug in it. But how can we? How can we save all these youth? And I came to realize that if you can save one, 
you've saved it all. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, you cannot save everyone. That's true. You can Everybody don't want to be saved. Everybody don't want to save those who are willing. That's where mm-hmm. we are right now. I think the route that we took before, we're trying to save everybody. Mm-hmm. Then you get burned out and then nothing works. It's, 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 I call that the MC Hammer effect. MC Hammer. <laughs> so, that? so MC Hammer, right? Um, uh, amazing performer, um, amazing songwriter, mm-hmm. uh, multi-millionaire, mm-hmm. right? So MC Hammer was like, he started off with like maybe four dancers, four dancers and himself and a hype man. Just blew up off of four dancers, himself and a hype man. Go Hammer, go Hammer. So let's, let's just say seven people including the DJ, right? He blew up off of that. And he trying to save the world. Oh, um, y'all y'all could dance too in this neighborhood, so I'm going to bring all four mm. y'all on. Oh, y'all could dance too, so I'm going to bring all four y'all on. So now this dude then went from six people in his entourage to 120 dancers that he got to pay in each and every city. Mm-hmm. So that check... That was a million dollars. Slim narrowed is, down. Yeah. It's narrowing down, Getting right? Lean. And 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 remember, nobody is teaching him fiscal and financial Get responsibility because he came from the hood. He came from nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So nobody is there. And maybe it was somebody there saying, you know, slow slow the hell down, you know, with this money. You you spending more than you taking in. Somebody probably was there. And and not also realizing that the industry is so fickle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they like you today, but tomorrow the, they hate you. Yeah, yeah. The, the, they're gonna be missed out. Another MC Hammer coming up. Exactly. You see, and and the, and the music tastes change, right? Mm-hmm. So next thing you know, the, these checks are getting smaller and smaller. But the entourage is still large. Yeah, they <laughs> hungry. They want still, it. Yeah. And 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 he's like, oh my god, I still gotta pay these people. I still got. Oh, so. You you robbing Peter to pay to Paul. Pay Paul yeah. Now now you getting these royalty checks that was that you were supposed to be putting away. Yes. You're supposed to be putting these royalty checks away for that rainy day fund, right? No, now you paying your your entourage that's still huge instead of saying, I made a mistake. So then you you look up and now you filing for bankruptcy. Right. You cannot save the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you can inspire the world. Mm-hmm. You can't save the world. Mm-hmm. That gives them hope when you inspire them. Everybody got to figure it all there out. There it is. I appreciate that, man. This is he's an inspiration. And, you know, I want to thank you, Jay, for coming to our podcast. And uh, and I just want to let you know that um, if you can save one child, you save it all. Because that's what all that matters. Thanks for not giving up on yourself. Oh, you no. know, so many people gave up on themselves, on themselves because of what they've been through in their life. And uh, including myself, I would have gave up on myself. And uh, we'll continue to do this. And this is the end of this episode. And I want to let you know that if you cannot run, go ahead and walk. If you cannot walk, go ahead and crawl. If you cannot crawl at all, you can just go ahead and figure it all out. Because I'm telling you, what doesn't kill you will cripple you if you don't have the right support system. Well, we say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but will, okay. No, it doesn't make you stronger. <laughs> it will cripple you. If you don't have the right support system, Definitely. you're done. 
I don't know who started that, but uh, I hear you. It it doesn't make you stronger. The the, the um I w- I want to say this before we go. When when people um always say, "Well, Jay, you um you do comedy, uh, you're an actor, um, you're a teacher, uh, you're a filmmaker." Like you know the the saying, a, a jack of all trades, oh, a master yeah. of none. Mm-hmm. I say, well, you're wrong. That's not the that's not the saying. Mm-hmm. The saying you cut it off. The, it's it, it's meant to inspire, not to um, berate or belittle. It's exactly. a jack of all trade um, is a master of none. Is still far more better than a master, master of one. Of one. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the that's the thing. So whatever it is that you believe in, whatever it is that you you want to do, do it and do it with excellence. True that. And that's all I'm saying. I appreciate that. This is good. I love I you, bro. Appreciate it. Love you too.